I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Hurling Acca. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are on the... We're trying hard to make it true, but it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know, and it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. All right, so we've no small ball this weekend, lads. It's all uh, Gaelic football, so it's nice to see us get centre stage. Brendan Bugler is in studio with me and Derek McGrath is on the line but we've loads to talk about anyways which is, which is a good thing um, big news last night was that Kilkenny won the Leinster title they stopped uh, Wexford going for three in a row and they did it down in Wexford Park um, Evan Shefflin scored 1-2 from midfield he's captain Adrian Mullen didn't start um, Derek you were saying you were watching this you were saying they were talking about a quad injury because he must have been injured because it, there's no way they're minding him for Limerick when he played against Leash in the under 20 um, in the under-21, uh, was it four days before the Leinster final against Wexford? That's right, yeah. I just heard DJ interview beforehand. He said he had a, a grade-A tear in his quad. So, um, yeah, obviously with the with the semi-final, you know, Saturday week, it's it's hard to see a grade-A tear in particular clearing up by them. But sure, look, um, yeah, they were able to get on. They were able to win without him in his absence, which is... Show you the strength that can have coming down the road. Yeah, it absolutely, it absolutely does. Michael Carey, son of DJ Bugs, was playing centre half back. Like, what the hell is DJ Carey's son doing playing in the backs, anyways? When I, when I was saw <laughs> that, this is just wrong, DJ. What were you playing at? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a, I suppose it's an unusual one when you hear Carey's name back there. But uh, yeah, I know a small bit about him. He's in college there in University of Limerick, like you know, and he's. Uh, be pushing for I think he was playing for Skibbon last year and he's there again now this year maybe next year as well so he is a good player but he plays in the defence down there as well for them right. you know and I watched the game against uh, against against Galway now I was I had a match there last night myself so I didn't get to see it but uh, 
he, he commanded the position anyway against Galway and I was very impressed with him. Right, so, okay. Yeah. So he didn't lick it up off the ground. It's nice to see these fellas all coming through, the sons of, uh, sons of legends. Um, another, the other talking point I wanted to talk to you about, lads, was a big one from last weekend and this was Aaron Dunphy's red. And I'm not being, it's not me being mm. biased towards Leash, but I thought it was, it, was a, it was a poor enough red card. And the reason I want to talk about this is because Eddie Brennan has been on since and he says, I think there's a little simulation creeping into, into hurling the last couple of years and it's worrying. At times um, you go, OK, if a lad's on a yellow, you test him. But at the end of the day, you don't want to see lads walking off the field unless it's bad. And I'm not a hurling person, but I know hurling people don't like anyone sent off unless it's a terrible flake altogether. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. seeing Aaron Dunphy walk off the field for what was Bugs was Trivial. child's play, yeah. really. I suppose, Willie, I have a, a, a big gripe with it, being honest with you, like, because, you know, I see I see Aaron Dunphy, you know, and, and, and the commitment and effort that he has given all year, you know, since probably last November, you know, he had an outstanding year. He was probably in contention for an All-Star nomination, you know, if truth be told. And then to, 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 to get a red card, you know, in the heat of battle in, in a championship match for something that was innocuous enough, it was trivial enough, you know, a little flick. How many times do you see a flick of a hurley, you know, hitting a, an opponent's leg? Like you see the whole time when defenders are coming out with balls, you know, winning freeze and a hurl might be kind of swung back. Yeah. You know, it only hit Paddy Maher's knee, you know, but the real thing I, I, I can see about this, right, I, I'm thinking of it from a player's point of view, right, and, and, and I was in a similar situation to Aaron Dunphy a couple of years ago, back in 2014, you know, we went down to Wexford Park, and, and I got a straight red just before half time. I remember for that. something, yeah, for something that was that was that was the exact kind of same. He'd probably get done for striking with minimum force. Mine was the exact same. It was a little flick back, uh, kind of on the the hip area or the leg area. It wasn't at the torso, or wasn't at the the head area, and um, you know, we got knocked out of the championship. And I can remember the following week being around Clare and you know anyone who, who I met you know they, they had to kind of bring it up they, they brought it up in a nice way as in Asher look at think of last year you know without Jay we wouldn't have done that Ireland and all this sort of stuff and as, as nice and all as they were trying to be in, it was still you know it was still so hard to take you know so I'm looking at this from Aaron Dunphy's point of view and he would have woke up Monday morning you know and, and he's probably feeling like absolute shit now this week you know, and you're talking about players' mental health and whatnot. You know, I found it difficult to go to the shop. I found it difficult to sleep in the week. Really? After that, you know, and the following week I got a call from uh, from New York to go over and play for a couple of weeks, you know, uh, from the club Galway. And straight away within five seconds I said, yeah, I just needed to kind of get out of town and clear my head, you know. Fair enough if you get a red card in the league, you, you can, you know, you might miss a game or two, but you'll be back for the championship, you know. Yeah, this is your yeah, last game. This is your right? last, it's your last game, you know, and he's going to be kicking himself for the next couple of months, you know. Uh, Aaron Dunphy you know and he's he's to wait till next year to kind of rectify it so I feel for him and from, from a referee's point of view I was furious with Cullum Lyons with giving it you know and fair play to Leash they dug in and they, and they stuck in there for the remainder of the game but you really knew at that stage you know the game was over once, oh, yeah. once that red was given straight away so I think referees have to really think of the consequences and think of the player if you're going to dish out a red at the heat of championship action you have to think of the player and you have to think of his you know mental health and whatnot that goes with it because um, and I know people are talking about Paddy Maher and, and, and simulation and stuff like that you know I'll just put it this would way Would Paddy Maher have been hurt there or do you take enough of those flicks to say just that that would be not that might make me cry but like yeah. a, a hurler playing all his life wouldn't really feel much there would I'll they? I'll put it this way would you right if the role was reversed 
right? And if it was Aaron Dunphy that that they give a flick back to Paddy Maher, right? And Paddy, or yeah, sorry, Paddy Maher gave the flick back to Aaron Dunphy, right? And Paddy got sent off. I'm sure Paddy would have woke up the following morning feeling fairly angry with Aaron Dunphy with how he acted. So that's all I'll say on that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. What What do you think of this, Derek? Because like we want to, you want to clean up hurling. Like I mean, I think the day and age of these flaking each other and all that's all gone out of it but at what point do you stop and allow that I take Bugs made a good point that if you're coming out of the fence and someone just flicks you with the hurl running past that's a yellow card yeah yeah look well, I think there's, a, there's an even more obvious parallel in that from a personal point of view is that if you go to the, the last six minutes of the All-Ireland semi-final of 2017 Conor Gleeson I'd say he did an exact same an exact same flick back to Patrick Horgan and missed an All-Ireland final as a result of it you know and yeah I remember because of the the, the travails and, and the furore that surrounded our CCC and CHC and DRA kind of episodes with Tyke de Burke in the run-up to that final, we actually, and something I'd have a big regret over, we actually just left left it at that then. We we kind of, we went to the, the, the first, first avenue, the CCC, and because letter of the law applied and strike them a minimum force and we had no compelling evidence as they call it in GA headquarters to overturn Connors we just left it there because we were two weeks away from an All-Ireland final and we felt it might follow us around and, and dominate the whole lead up to the All-Ireland so in terms of it's 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 a bit cliche to say it, but the, the lack of consistency in terms of the application of what's a flick what's minimal force what's a what's, and what's the ultimate difference between Cuteness, I suppose, from 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 a player's point of view, and and the manipulation of of a referee to 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 be cynical enough to to to, to get somebody sent off. How do you kind of read that? That's a very difficult thing to read. I think it takes a a very smart and clever referee. Like I would always consider this, the fact that Paul Maher is a brilliant player. The one thing I think Paul Maher is brilliant at is 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 getting frees on the way out in terms of wrapping himself mm, up yeah, amongst. Yeah. A couple of players on the way out, and he's and he's able to kind of wrap himself up to the point where I'd be considering that he might be barging, but other fellas might be considering that he's just been cute enough to kind of duck himself. Likewise, I, I can't be a hypocrite, uh, Woolly, and we'd have smaller players playing with water over the years, so we would have. Uh, I might as well be straight up encouraged to, to get under that hurley when they find themselves or under the arm when they find themselves kind of held up and they're able to kind of manipulate a free for themselves so for me that's the real debate the difference between a kind of bit of cuteness and what hat you wear in terms of your own team and that cynicism that, that we might have seen maybe later in, in the game against between Kilkenny and Cork so it's very very difficult and it's 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 very easy to say you know um, um, read it from from a, a player's point point of view, and I agree with Brendan there. But there's also the scenario where they're they the assessors of referees are saying, "Hang on, this, this is a strike. This is a, a definite strike. This is a strike back." The, the application of the rules has to be has to be kind of you know equate to to the actual rule. So uh, we 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 in circles call us snobs, if you like. We just like to see the rule that that's not part of the rule book, which is a common sense application. So we like him to read the situation as it is in front of him and say, "Hang on." Exactly. This is going to ruin the game here, but that's not really applying the rules. But it's like something we'd like to see as 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 managers and players, you know. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, you mentioned Conor Gleeson there just quickly. When you say you regret it, how, why do you regret it when it was fairly black and white that they were coming back to you saying, "Look, it was minimal force. You don't have evidence to say it wasn't." You know, did you think that? How would you have yeah, won it I, if you'd pushed I think, it anymore? I think, I think, yeah, I think even well, I suppose retrospectively, what 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 has made me regret it is. The fact that I've seen other people have, you know, cases overturned on the back of, of, you know, on on the back of maybe a more consistent argument on the on the back of maybe looking for more, you know, technical 
technical overturns, if you like, you know, and you always have to remember that a judicial review is really what the what the DRA is, and it's kind of an independent body. And you know, at the time, as I said, I'm repeating myself now, but that dominating the, the thought process in the run up to the game, I felt that a kind of a you know a lack of ambiguity around it would have been better. Um, but now that I see that people are able to overturn it, particularly from a, not just from the Dublin, Dublin avenues, but you see a lot of people over, overturning it based on technicalities and that. And I'm just wondering, should we have should we have delved deeper into the whole thing to, you know? And I often I often think, you know, if Connor was available to command Mark Joe Canning in, in terms of her overall game, and would things have changed and would have freed other people? But that's only it's probably only the benefit of two or three years of saying, Jesus, you know what? I wonder could I have done things differently? Could we have fought more for Connor? You know, would it would it have would it have helped? Or, or you know, but at the time you're kind of trying to weigh up everything. So it, it's probably with the benefit of of the fact that I find there's more cases being overturned. Not just looking at PD Hart's case. I know there was there's obvious there's an obvious kind of case there in in terms of the black card and all that. But you know, just just with maybe a more not a more powerful legal team, but a a more powerful approach and a more consistent approach. Perhaps we we might have been able to overturn it, John. Yeah, Derek, I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. And I'll go back to my case in 2014. I didn't challenge it. I know we're out with the championship and we didn't challenge it. Where I got stung was the following spring. I picked up another one yeah. in the league. And as a result, I missed two games and I missed the first round of the Munster Championship in 2015. And I always regretted going back and not challenging that first one, you know. So I think you're dead right in what you're saying there, Derek. Like any of those decisions, which you feel you might be, you know, feel aggrieved from, uh, I think it's worth challenging, definitely, yeah. 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 Yours was kind of the standing beside each other and, you know, this old jab of the hurl that players do. Isn't that, yeah. isn't that it? Look, it was, it was. There was a little flick back, a small little flick back. And I felt the player in question went down a little bit easy. And being honest, I I have found it hard to forgive him since, like you know, and that's that's just the way it is, like. But trust me, I'm no saint on the field, Wooly or whatever. But when I think something warrants a red, and I have got reds from time to time, they have been reds, like. But in that particular occasion, I didn't think it was. No, I, I was looking at some research. We're doing a live show in Wexford um, next Thursday night, and I was looking at the 2001 All Ireland semi-final replay between Wexford and Tipperary. You might me- remember Liam Dunn Brian and Brian O'Mara. Yeah. And Brian remember, O'Mara, yeah. remember this, Derek. This was back in the day when this was in every game that the two players would just uh, stand beside each other and they just start jabbing each other with yeah. the hurl. And neither of them went down, like. But neither of them no. went down at all. Both of them got sent off, and I thought that was even harsh at the time. But it was it was actually funny. I was looking at it, and it was because Liam Dunn must be di- hold a different hand to Brian O'Mara. So Brian O'Mara was driving the butt to hurl into Liam Dunn, but Liam Dunn was hitting him with the big big side. I was like, Liam Dunn's getting a rod, an awful rod, <laughs> rod yeah, in this one. But like, I, trust me, the handle can be a lot worse than the boss. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Liam yeah, Dunn was yeah. getting the handle. Oh yeah, right. Okay, I'd rather yeah. take the, a little jab the at the boss, boss any day of the week. The boss but can it, be hurtful too. But uh, Derek, like, I know I'm not a hurting person, so I don't know. But I still think that kind of stuff being gone out of the game full time, which it kind of is now, isn't a bad thing. But we don't want it to go to the point of the Aaron Dunphy red. Is that? Would we agree on that? Yeah, no, I think look, that, that's there's no point in repeating the point you've made. I'd be completely in agreement with the point you've just made. You know, you know, taking any element of physicality or the hurling would, would destroy it. You know, so right, we're past the kind of. I don't I want to say we're completely past the, the Shamazel days. You know, I, even looking as an outsider in, you know, everyone has interest in every sport. But you look at the throw in this, last weekend for the for the Kerry Mayo and the football, and you see the boys going at it. And you know, we it lends itself to a kind of a. Jesus carry her up for today or you know yeah. so I think there's a there's an element of that that has to kind of be part of any championship day where, where fellas are, are standing toe to toe and are right on the edge and I think the day we take them fellas away from the edge in terms of performance we're in bother so I think we've we've moved on from that but we need to be careful 
balance. It doesn't tip to the balance whereby we can't even, you know, there's nothing, you know. I'll give you an example. If you look at the challenge this weekend between Richie Hogan and Bill Cooper, where there was an absolute full-blooded challenge where Richie Hogan went in, Bill Cooper went in, I, I felt two went in at 100 miles an hour. Richie he's bounced up off the ground afterwards, almost in, you know, kind of a show of, listen, I'm fine after this, I'm a tough little cookie, which he is anyway. And Bill Cooper came out the worst of it in a few, few minutes later, he had to come off. But I, I felt it was... You know, a kind of an indication of what's best about the game. Two fellas going at it completely with, with nothing in, in mind, only winning the ball and putting their bodies on the line. So taking that out of it, would, would the game would suffer greatly, I feel, you know? Yeah, it definitely would. Come here, one other thing here, Bill, because I'll ask you because you've been playing uh, pretty recently. And this is, I saw Alan Cadigan doing this. And this is an old football trick where you, go, you break past the tackle, you grab the defender's arm and you go down and he falls on top of you and you win a free. Alan Cadigan's the first hurler I blatantly saw doing this. Locked, I'm not sure who was actually marking him at that. Could have been Porrick Walsh. Locked his arm under his arm, fell with him and won his free. Is this, does this happen in hurling? Is this yeah, is more cynicism going on? It is, like, and you, and you see it in football the whole time. And I suppose the, the referees just have to be privy to it, like, you know, because uh, it is kind of creeping into hurling, unfortunately, you know, and look at anytime you know Patrick Horgan has a free it's going over the bar so I'm sure the park forwards are told look, try to win as many frees as you possibly can if you're not going to put a ball over the bar yourself so it is something that's creeping into hurling definitely Willie, yeah. and, but we've, I haven't seen that much of it now being no honest, not that I, much you no. know, I haven't seen that much of it now over the last couple of years but yeah definitely yeah. is that something Derek you would be encouraging your forwards to do is to win free like this, this, went, this has been going on so long in Gaelic football that referees have tried to double guess it so referees copped onto it and now referees have blown, have not given me freeze by telling me I locked the arm when I absolutely didn't. You know what I mean? Mm. They're, they're almost yeah, trying yeah. to be too clever with it now, Gaelic football referees. Yeah, 100%. I think the one free that referees are, are, are more inclined to give now is the free where, where there's the perceived barging, if you like, to the point where, where the back nearly knows that the forward is going to barge and kind of takes the steps back with him as he's coming with him. And, oh, yeah. And... and they're inclined to give that but yeah listen there's no point in again being hypocritical you give your forward an instruction you want them to score you want them to tackle you want them to win a free and you might say listen you might even say to a sub going on with 10 minutes to go in a tight game listen you know try and orchestrate a free you know if you want to want for want of a better word manipulate the situation so that you win a free and whatever's involved in terms of winning a free you have to do that um, in terms of the, yeah, I, I particularly I've made the point already I think smaller forwards in particular you know, Jake Dillon for us was very good at, at just, you know, manipulating situations where he would win a free. Even if you look at the situation where the ball went over to the sideline to Cadigan at one stage, he knew Paulie Welch was coming thundering into him. He got a little dunt in the back and down he went straight away. Yeah. You know, from where I was watching it, it looked like Paulie Welch was just thrown him to the side. When you look at it closely, he just gave him a small little push in the back. But players are inclined to go down knowing that the push is coming, you know, because even some players are inclined to, as they go to the ball, they suddenly stop over the ball, pretend to roll lift it, knowing that the momentum of the back behind him is going to go right into his back and therefore he's down over the ball and it's a handy free in. So, unfortunately, our, fortunately, I'm going to say when you're over a team, I suppose, and, and play, players are cute enough to manipulate and manoeuvre themselves into situations that, that it's good for you, it's, it's a good thing, but looking on it now as a, a more objectively, you're kind of saying, it's it's not really the done. It's not. It shouldn't really be the done thing, you know. No, definitely not. Because that makes sense. Because everyone's jab lifting it now. Whereas in Gaelic football, because you have to go down, and put your toe under it. The message you get since we are under eight, under ten, is go down on it and you'll get your free. Because the yeah, momentum yeah. of the fella behind you is going to push you over. So if you just go down on it, don't be trying flicks or trying to get it up to, into your hands. Go down on it and you'll win your free. And that's kind of what Cadigan did there. 
Exactly, yeah, especially from the inside forward line, yeah. Yeah, okay, John Myler's future, lads, is the next one. Is like, I mean, how do, what kind, where are you on this, right? So he had a two year term, so I think he's going to have to go look for another one. Um, some people think Cork need a new voice. Like, on the face of it, they've gone backwards from last year. I don't think anyone would argue with that. Like, I mean, they should have beaten Limerick last year. This year, they go out, you know, in pretty uh, bad fashion. Lee Han's form isn't good. Yeah. Um, you know, they brought back Ian Ellis, who was watching the game on the terrace against Tip, and now suddenly he's their centre back. What, you know, what's their, what was his plan for centre back? Um, brought brought back in Tom Kenny mid-season The Rock says he's no real coaching experience is a weird one bringing in a coach um, mid-season I'll start with you Derek on that one what what, what do you think of Myler's future and what do you think of those couple of points yeah well I think the point around the centre-back is well made in that I think Tim O'Mahony played every league every league game at centre-back he played the first championship match against Tipperary at centre-back and then you know he he, he um he doesn't play and he comes on at, he comes on in, uh, he plays sorry in midfield against Westmead and he comes on and plays very well in the last 10 minutes in the game last weekend in terms of John himself I've met him I'd say on three occasions uh, struck by his, his coolness in terms of just a very very cool kind of um, not flummoxed by anything I heard him interviewed a few times where he talked about his not alone his relationship with with his son but the fact that he he had learned from the, the whole premiership experience from his son that you just move on from, from round to round I would know Don Lamahan one of his selectors particularly well a very very clever and astute guy really really clever the interesting thing for me was when they beat Limerick on the back of uh, lots of criticism um, after the, the, the first match against Tipperary John was quick to point out that Fraggy and and Don Lomani had fixed whatever needed to be fixed. So I, I was saying to myself, is he a delegator? Is he a guy that sits back and delegates responsibility to those two in particular? So that this was just my own reading of it, if you like. So yeah. and I said to myself, Jesus, they, they were highly motivated against Limerick. Where did it come from? Did it come from the players? Did it come from John himself? Or did it come from a more uh, defensive uh, structure? The interesting thing for me is the sound bites coming out of Cork, even looking at the, the Cork County Board meeting on, on Monday or Tuesday night, I'm not sure what night it was, where the, the chairperson there mentioned the fact that, listen, we're, we're, in the, we're in the throes of appointing a high-performance manager. Like, I was struck by a job came up in, 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 on jobs.ie or whatever it's called a number of weeks ago where Cork are in the process of appointing a, a high-performance manager that will come up with strategies for teams from under 14 to senior about football and hurling full-time employee of... Cork County Board and she 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 noted I think last night that no decision will be made on John or the future until this person is appointed to oversee a full review so for me all the sound bites are indicating that they may look for change this is what you know I, I think they're what they're doing is they're following a kind of a process now whereby they, they, they may look at change or when they conduct a review they may say hang on things are okay here they need to move on. The interesting thing for me, Willie, and I know I'm going on a bit here, is that I I still see that, see, this time 12 months, I can't see any other six forward bar, you know, be, being six of the eight guys, we'll say, with the, maybe Turnbull will come in that from the under-20, maybe young O'Regan will come in from the under-20, maybe young Toomey will come in from the under-20, but I'd say they'll be involved in the, in the 2020 league, but I still see Lahan, Harnady, Horgan, uh, Daniel Carney, Luke Mead, Shane Kingston, Patrick Horg or Patrick Horgan, I'm, I'm missing someone very at Cadigan. I still see their sixth set of forwards being six of those seven or eight guys this time next year. Maybe Dara Fitzgibbon going to the forward line. The real issue for me is 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 in terms of the back line uh, that they haven't fixed it. So for me, they've they've two choices. They they stick with what they have 
maybe a reconfiguration of the team that sees some of the forwards maybe even go to the middle of the field which might free them up in terms of their whole you know fella might be sick of playing in the corner or a guy might be sick of playing wing forward he might go midfield and, and, and all of a sudden he's a new guy might go wing back all of a sudden he's a new guy or they say right we're going for total change we're going to put our faith in a new full back a new centre back and that might mean they might dip initially which people might have to live with and I'm not sure how patient the Cork people are in terms of living with, with a dip you know whilst they're kind of saying steadfastly saying this is our full back this is our centre back almost back to the clear days of Lowe and, and McMahon and building around that and, and see how it goes from there you know Yeah no I saw that so you were talking about a reshuffle in in your piece in the Irish Examiner um, mm. and Bugs what, like, I, I do agree like Derek was suggesting Daniel Carney could play wing back potentially Bill Cooper could play wing back Mark Coleman could play centre back you know to beef up of course Colin Spillane is a massive loss and that shouldn't be mm. underestimated he's their go-to man marker mm. and he was lost and he's a bit of physical size whereas Donoghue and O'Leary don't um, like d- definitely ripping up the script like Liam Sheedy didn't rip up the script with Tip the new manager coming in there don't they're not far away you just need a little sprinkle of something onto them yeah exactly well, in, you have to remember as well like it's his second year and he has won a major trophy in year one winning a Munster title I know in Cork you're kind of judged on all Ireland's and all that Like, but you know definitely like what, what Derek is saying there it's, I, I would give him another year like I, I, give John Myler I would. I give him another year, but he'd have to freshen up the backroom team a small bit or bring in another coach, you know, because he has. Look at they, they didn't win a monster last year. They were they were only you know pocket a ball from and should have got to all Ireland final last year. You know they played some good hurling this year, but they just didn't seem to to kick on this year. And just like I don't want to, to harp on and, and repeat what Derek was saying, but he he named all the okay up front. You know, we all know the attacking powers they have. Unfortunately, the last day we didn't see it in the half hour line. You know, but defensively, mm-hmm. like what Derek is saying there, they really, really, really have to find a three and six and go with them. And and you might have a couple of poor performances, kind of like what Tim O'Mahony did. But maybe the correct option might have been to actually leave him there and put Ellis back full back. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. But like, I don't think there are many Cork players. I've I've seen their under twenty one play a couple, under twenty one team play a couple of times. All right, I don't think there are too many Cork players to come into that equation. But like you're just saying there, it could be a tweak here and there that could make a massive difference. You know, and if you look back to the the Westmead game, like why did he put Jamie or um, Dara Fitzgibbon centre forward and then go back to playing in midfield mm-hmm. the last day? You know, if he was going to put him centre forward against Westmead, the likelihood was he was going to put him centre forward um, the last day but he didn't you yeah. know maybe that could have been a switch that would have you know that unlocked the Kilkenny defence and I don't I don't, I don't, even think he even went there for the full game so um, maybe it's a switch or two here and there but like time is running out for a couple of their players as well like you look at Hoggy he's, he's 32 years of age unfortunately you know <laughs> you'd love to see him hurling for the next 10 years but that's not going to be the case you know so um, I think you know he probably deserves on the fact that he won a Munster title last year he deserves another year but he'll need to to, to, to settle on the defence and maybe to change up the backroom team a small little bit Right okay Derek Brian yeah, I think Willie, just one more point there. I think I think the interesting thing, if you look at Kieran Kingston's first year, right, they were beaten by Tipperary in the first round, they played with a sweeper that day, William Egan played as a sweeper that day. And the general perception in Cork game was, Oh, it's not in our DNA to play like this. It's not in our DNA to play like this. I think they need to get over I'm not advocating or saying they should play a sweeper or anything like that, but I think you know, Cadigan and Horgan were lighting it up inside the last day. I think every other team, like if you look at Wexford and Limerick, they're probably the most planned teams. They're they're probably planning better than every other team. I think so. I think Cork needs to like reach the level where they're 
where they're really planning well. You know, where 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 Horgan comes outside for a few minutes. You know, if you look at the goal he got the last goal, he was one against three there. So I don't think there should be, a, you know, a kind of a, a snobbiness around the fact that Cork maybe leave Horgan in there on his own every now and again because that's what Galan is. That's what's happening with Galan and Limerick at times. That's what's happening with 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 Conor McDonald in Wexford. I'm not, as I said, advocating, but sometimes if you look back at Cork's first Munster triumph two years ago in 2017, uh, they were very much playing kind of you know more systematic. I felt than they have been this year, if you like. So I don't think they should be afraid to kind of change it up. As I said, I'm not saying they should have a defensive model, but if you have deficiencies in your defence, which which Cork have, you've got to make up for it in some way by either filling the middle of the field or shuffling. And Cork have the hurlers to do that. It's whether they have the kind of the mindset to be able to adapt to that situation, uh, I would see as, as a kind of an issue going forward. Yeah, and one of the big issues as well is that Nash's puckouts have been figured out and when Nash decides to go long, they've only got Harnady. So any of these under-21s going to be good uh, ball-winning half-forwards or are they more, yeah, well, they, more they, they, in the Lehan and the Kingston kind of and the Cadigan mould? Yeah, they, well, there's a full forward in there. I don't know his name now. I forget his name, but against Clare. O'Regan. Shane O'Regan. He cocked some serious yeah. ball against Clare. So they have him, to, I suppose, to come into the equation as well. But we did highlight last week, you know, their, their one outlet for the high ball was... Was literally. And, literally, so when your short yeah. ones figured out, they have no plan B on puckouts. Then, do they? Unfortunately, from a Cork point of view, yeah, it seems to be the case, doesn't it? Yeah, so. no, it definitely does. But Brian Corcoran, just to finish up on Cork, he mentioned oh, two two more points. He said the other night, um, I think he was at a board gosh uh, launch because he was on all the different uh, websites and newspapers. He said that um, Cork lacked the necessary belief to win all Ireland's because of their lack of underage success. And I thought that was a load of nonsense, Derek, because like, I mean, that's OK for a team like Waterford, a county like Waterford that needed an under 21 All-Ireland to give them mm-hmm. that confidence. Cork, with their history, don't need underage success. They have that history, that tradition, that heritage, that cockiness that comes with it. I, I would strongly disagree with Brian Corcoran that they don't need underage success, that I think that's an excuse. I don't think this Cork, I think Cork, the Cork senior team have enough history that they don't need that. Yeah, I think so. At least, to be honest with you, I think it's not paper talk because I wouldn't be disingenuous enough to say that about a legend of the game. But I think it's uh, to, to me, it's incorrect in that even if you really look closely at the Cork underage system, that there's been so much talk about they're not even entering a team into our All Ireland competition this year in Waterford. It's only for the under 14. They've regionalised teams. They've won everything from 14 to 20. Of course, what you'll have is you'll have the populist opinion all all winter saying. Uh, we're, we're doing great at underage, but yet none of them can make the breakthrough. And which is my point originally. Which, 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 which of those, which of those core forwards? You know, if there's one or two of those core under twenty forwards are going to dislodge the sex set of forwards that are that are likely to be there next year, I, I'm not so sure. So, I don't think so. Even if you go between the Tipperary and the Limerick game, that was a perfect concoction of corkness, old-fashioned corkness and skill that, that resulted in that performance against the All-Ireland champions. So that's that's still evident. That's still there. And if you clinically analyse even the first half of the game last weekend, Woolley, Cork, Cork dominated long periods of that first half. They had two brilliant goal-scoring chances. Shamie Harnady gives it to Horgan instead of Daniel Carney on his right-hand side. And Alan Cadigan takes another four yards before he shoots and Owen Murphy. And Cork are eight points up at half-time. Now, we know Kilkenny, they could come back. And we're, we're talking about a situation where it's Cork and Limerick in the semi-final. You know, so I think... It's not as doom-laden as, as perhaps people think. The big question is, and I think the 2020 structure of the league will allow this, is the integration of some of the younger players. Fast, as you rewind 12 months, the general perception was Cork's panel is not strong enough. What are we going to do about it? So 
They end up not playing Aidan Walsh at the start of the last day, not playing Shane Kingston, not playing Robbie O'Flynn, and they say to themselves, they'll be ready to go at 15 minutes to go. Now, that backfired Sunday, but it was still a plan. It was still a plan that detail was put into. And we could be talking about the influence of those subs as opposed to not this week. Just because it didn't work on a given day doesn't mean it wasn't a particular right thing to do. So, no, I think the underage pedigree is, is very good in Cork. Take the Waterford scenario, my second year, uh, Woolley, 2015. We brought the Shane Bennett, the Steve Bennett, the Patrick Hearns, the Tyke, the Burkers and all them into the panel. Because we, we had no other choice. We felt the quality of the guys that were there would be upped and would be bettered by the guys that were coming in. That's the decision that John Moyler has to make. If I bring Tommy O'Connell in from Middleton into the middle of the field next year, if I bring young Toomey in at wing forward, if I bring O'Regan in and Turnbull, will they be dislodging or will they be quality? And how can I get the balance right? So the underage fellas are there in Cork. It's whether they, they're in a situation where they can serve more of an apprenticeship than in most other counties. Yeah, no, they definitely are. Well, I, I, I think it'd be crazy not to integrate them during the league next year, whether they can dislodge yeah. them for the championship is another one. Last one to you, yeah. Bugs, on this, is I know you think that Myler should stay on another year, but let's, let's speculate that he won't. Um, what about Don Logue Cusack? Now, he won't get it because the Cork County Board won't give it to him, more than likely. But, like, I mean, you've played under Don Logue. Like, I mean, could he... He will absolutely harness that core confidence like I mean a great story you hear about Donal Logan he's walking around in the parade I think it could have been against Kilkenny or someone in an all-around final and all you can hear out Donal Logue we are Cork we are Cork and he's repeating this to himself in the parade like this lad is pure Cork and was a pure winner and is a good tactician we know that I, I don't think he's good in the Sunday game now as he was a couple of years ago for whatever reasons but he's, he looks at the game tactically would he not be a perfect fit for Cork? First things first, Woolly. Like if you're if you're a manager of a county team, you, you really have to get on with the county board. You know? <laughs> right. He doesn't get on with the Cork County Board, so I think that discussion it's 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 a, it's a pointless discussion. Being honest with you, right. but look at he has he has qualities. I suppose that you know would suit a managerial role with with Cork, and he has that Corkness as well that we keep talking about too. So. I don't think it's a it's a job that he would I, he would take at the moment under the circumstances, but definitely down the line, I think it's something that he would consider. All right, right. but he so would he could bring a lot to the table. All right, what, what did he bring to the table to you then? Like, I mean, he was doing a lot of the coaching, or what was his input? Like, what would his strengths be then? It say, for example, in a managerial role. Yeah, well, when we we clear, obviously he wasn't a manager; he was a yeah. coach. So he was he, he was a coach in the field, you know. And in his first year, Paul Knurk was there as well. So the two of them were working along with Angus O'Brien as well, who's now has gone in with, with Limerick also. So um, his job was a coach. So from a managerial point of view, it's a totally different job, Willie. You know, he was he was he was he was liaising with Paul Knurk in, in the drills they were doing. So what they were doing was probably very very similar. Okay, mm. all right. So like, this is an on-runner, then Derek. We'll leave the last word to you. So like, there's, this is yeah. we're, we're wasting. Our time, the Cork County Board won't I'm, give it to Donovan. I'm not, so, I'm not so sure now. I'm not so sure, and I tell you why because Kevin O'Donovan, I only met him once in my life, Cork County Secretary. I, I've just been impressed with him any time I've heard him. You know, I, I heard him talking about the, you know, the overspend on Parky Creeve. I thought he was, he thought he was clear. I thought there was a certainty about what he, what he said. I thought he was, there was no, there was just, I thought he was upfront about the whole, the debt on Parky Creeve. I saw him interviewed on, on RTE about it, um, the, the whole scenario around the, the appointment of, of a high performance manager I think he's just a bit different you know I think that he may be a guy that will, will, will that thinks and looks outside the box in terms of his thinking you know and I think I think there's a feeling in, in Cork that there might need to be a kind of emerging of of the old if you like in terms of the old principal guys who may be uh, maybe of the, of the ilk where they were kind of 
anti the Sean Oaks, the Don Logs, the, the, that kind of the guys who are involved in, in the strike, if you like, and the younger people who say, "Hang on now, we 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 need it, not a revisionist, but we need a guy who's completely, you know, in touch with, with what's needed in the modern game." Because not even the modern game, but modern people in terms of being able to kind of see things from 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 players' point of view and. I just have a feeling there might be something in that in terms of in terms of his if, uh, in terms of his suitability to it. I couldn't think of anybody more suitable to it, having only known him briefly, I suppose, in the last last number of years. In terms of just the thought that he puts into it, and that perfect mix, if you like, of of cockiness and newness, if you like, you know. And I think yeah. it's something that it might be a kind of a, a unifying move because I think Don Logue would be clever enough to be kind of be able to unify at the same time as as bring bringing innovation to it. Yeah, no, I agree. I, he'd be the obvious choice for me, but obviously with the politics involved down there, you, <laughs> like yeah, yeah. it would be a huge decision. But I think it would be a fantastic decision. I think he would be brilliant with him because, like, I mean, he's a mm-hmm. smart man and a, he's a leader and I think that that's the option that they should be going for. Right, lads, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back with a few more talking points. My mother, Lord Mercenary, she's dead. She's eight years this year. She never saw me holding live, but she always went to the matches to the hotel, the two finals, and we got off the bus after the first one. And the first person to meet me was my mother, and she said, Look, what's meant to be is meant to be. She said, Keep the head up. I said, Grant, no bother, man, thanks. 96, back to the hotel again, first person <laughs> off the bus, my mother. He says, ah, look, what's meant to be a Tim Hammond? You give it a fucking right. So I talked about this quote here um, on Monday's show, but I want to ask the two of you as well. So it's Liam Sheedy doing what managers do after the, the beat meet. So he says, Wexford certainly won't be quaking in their boots with what they've seen out here today. They will be raging hot favourites. And Derek, you're a manager. I'll go to Bugs next on this. Why do managers do this? This is the oldest trick in the book. Do, does Liam Sheedy really think that Wexford are going to read that quote and they're going to go, geez, we're favourites for this, lads. Uh, you know, we'll let our guard down here now anyways. To, you know, like, I mean, how psychologically do managers still think this type of stuff can work? Well, I'll answer the first bit first in that. Um, I think we'd beaten Wexford in the 2017 quarterfinal in Parky Cueve. And um, I think I said, well, I don't think Cork, or Cork or, or Galway will be shaking with any type of trepidation. So I can't claim complete, <laughs> um, you know, any, in any way that I haven't done it before. I actually, would you believe, uh, I, and I'm not trying to big myself up, I genuinely felt that there wouldn't be sh- sh- any trepidation. I think the Liam Sheedy situation is completely different in that. It's a bit silly, if I'm completely honest, in that, you know, I think it's a situation where, where, where you know, in, in advance of even today, like I, just, I looked up the, the odds and I think, you know, um, uh, Tipperary are one to two and, and Wexford are two to one. <laughs> well, so, that, that's the hilarious know, part about it, yeah. Yeah, you know, and it was always going to be that way. So, yeah. In terms, I think it's it's. I wouldn't say it's something that he'd regret, but I think it's just it was. It's a silly one, really, because um, there's nothing in it. There's no way that the Wexford players would would in any way. In actual fact, I think it would actually kind of there'd be a raising of the eyes and a tutting, if I'm honest. You know, yeah. in terms of who do you think he's fooling here? You know what I mean? And in actual fact, 
if I'm honest, the Tipperary players would probably, you know, I don't think they'd get anything out of it either. You know, they'd, I don't think they'd get anything out of it either. I'm not saying Liam should come in and say we're completely confident we're going to we're going to steam all Wexford. You know, I think the general and even 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 Brian Cody after the after the game was quoted as saying we're going from the from the from the frying pan into the fire now. I think I think he said you know in terms of playing Limerick and playing the best team in the country. But again, I think Brian has actually been genuine there. I think he he does think they're playing the best team in the country, albeit. He's just probably maybe putting his team on guard in terms of what, what they need to bring in the savages they need to bring. So to answer the question, I don't know why why they do it because there's absolutely nothing in it that would allow a team to be more motivated for or less motivated for, for by it, you know? No, it's an all-earned semi-final, Bugs. Like, if you're not motivated for that, then there, there's something wrong with you. And I actually think in, on what Derek is saying, Davy Fitz will absolutely use that. He'll flip that and say, this is how arrogant these lads are, mm. that they're one mm. to two and they're trying to tell us. Davy will have these lads raging over being told they were favourites. Yeah, yeah like. 100% will he, yeah. Like, it's, uh, I don't know, it kind of seems to be nearly the managerial lingo from time to yeah. time, you know, to build up the opposition team. And I suppose managements and players nowadays are so afraid of saying the wrong thing but no one is buying into you know it, it is absolutely ridiculous you know, how are Tipperary going to be going into Northern Ireland semi-final playing Wexford thinking that they're way outsiders like it's it's absolutely ridiculous it's just it's just what he said on the day but you know it's I think players and managements nowadays they're, they're so so conscious of uh, of, of, of what they say you know and, and in particular with social media and everything else like that now and I'll just give you an example from my own time you know we played uh Dublin it was back in 2012 that game we were talking about last week with, 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 with uh, McCartan there when uh, Daly walked through, walked through in us with all the Dublin players and the whole lot but the draw for that game was made the Monday previous you know and straight away Conal Keeney put up a tweet saying perfect draw Really? You know, and we we grabbed onto that, Willie, right? And it was mentioned time and time again that week of the game, and mentioned in the dressing room before the game. You know, so managements and teams, and none better than than Wexford to do it, will cling on to Ant and the opposition will say and use that for motivation. But yeah, will Fitzy get motivation from it? I think he actually will. Now that they're just saying yeah. it, like, so. but I'd say Ke- well, Keeney was probably tweeting to say a perfect draw it daily going back to Cork. But he would have twisted that to say he daily means going back to Clare. Yeah, going back to Clare. Yeah. But he would have twisted that to say he wants to play us because we. He thinks That's we're it, no good. Like, oh yeah, like they were after suffering a bad defeat to Kilkenny just uh, that weekend or whatever. So this is the perfect draw to get back in the wagon, like you know. And we used that, you know, and it got us. And I think teams need that, you yeah. know. But uh, you know, players, management, they just have to be so careful what they say. But there's no doubt about it. Like Liam Sheedy wasn't going to be coming out, and he wasn't going to say, "Asher, yeah, we've Wexford the next day." And you know, he you will build up that position and. None more than look. Derek has done it down down through the years himself, as he said. So well, it's, it's just yeah. the way it's the way it is. That, the thing that makes this so outrageous is that they're raging hot favourites, and he's trying to almost insult people's intelligence by saying the others are raging hot favourites. But it, it, it's gas with the the extra little bits players need, Derek. Because my theory on this is that players in a championship match shouldn't need any extra motivation. Now maybe Kilkenny having won four in a row. Coming back the next year, they might make up something to kind of, you know, give you them it motivated. But in general, there's not that many championship games. And if you can't be up for them, I think, you know, but then again, every player on the panel is different. So, you know. Do you think the Kilkenny, the Kilkenny panel and management weren't motivated with what was said in the media last week? Nearly everyone was going for Cork. Yeah. And this is against Kilkenny, Sandivoni, TJ Reid up front and the whole lot. Of course they were motivated. Yeah. No, the, uh, yeah, yeah that, I, think, I think what was very obvious on that, I, I just. Brian was as animated as I've seen him since that, you know, the night they played Galway in, in, in Turles. I can't remember the night, what, what year it was where they played Galway in Turles. I've never seen Brian as animated as he was last last um, last Sunday. Like, he was out on the pitch. He was five and ten yards out on the pitch during the game. You know, he was, he was, it was just a sense that he was, 
you know, that old-fashioned motivation that comes from a week where, where he's listening to people like Cork, Cork have the sex set of forwards that are going to overrun them, blah, 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 Kilkenny are. And it's almost like that ordinariness. And you're, you're talking about examples of, I remember Sean Stack in the run-up to the National League final in 2016 had, had an article in the examiner where he said something about Waterford are something about ordinariness and they have a couple of geese but the geese will kind of you know once once one goes wrong the whole thing and we, we actually turned it to say to ourselves Jesus the greatest compliment you could make about somebody is, is your ordinariness your humility your so we actually just kind of use it as a, as, as, as a you know even though he meant it as probably as a slight on, on, on the team we, we just drove it you know, we were always just kind of based on the collective and logic could be outweighed by just the collective force, if you like. And we just, we prided ourselves on that. So we kind of just, we, we actually kind of use it as a kind of a compliment in terms of what, what he was saying about ourselves. And I think that's that's, that's the Cody thing. I think that those or, those ordinary guys, and, and I mean this with the greatest respect, Joey Holden, the Paddy Deegans, the Paul Reguels, the great hurlers, but they seem to have this kind of kind of manly kind of orderliness about him that they're kind of they refuse to kind of yield if you like and I think there's something in that like if you like and I say Cody harps on that a good bit Yeah he was fairly animated against G down in Turles a couple of times as well Derek <laughs> <laughs> He was <laughs> yeah, It's like one of those situations when you're, in, when you're in the schoolyard years ago and a fella's trying to hold you back and you're hoping that he will hold you back <laughs> A Martin Morrissey <laughs> moment if, like. he, if he leaves you go he's just going to do one of those things like Tom and Jerry where he just stops and stomps on the back, top of your head and you fall into the ground <laughs> and well, yeah, you look, listen, well, you you had Big Dan behind you. You were safe enough. Yeah, he should have been in front of you. That's another point of conjecture. But anyway, <laughs> but it, but as guys, the one Derek, I'll throw this to you. The one example I always think of players needing that extra little bit of motivation, and it was John Milan. And we don't know if this was someone winding John up. It was with the Davy thing, and John obviously played very well that day and celebrated in front of Davy. And he had been told during the week that Davy had said that is either John was finished or the Waterford team was finished. Now Davy denies having said that. I don't know. Do you have any inside information whether this was just? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I actually. I, I actually do. Obviously, he's my own brother-in-law, so I, I, I know the two situations there. I could, I could tell you about. I suppose in that, that one, there was definitely a parent of one of the one of the players that plays the water had said to him that Davy had alluded to the fact that that um, that John was finished, if you like. So John had only need a, you know, he'd only need, I suppose, a, a millisecond or, or a millimeter of motivation in terms of that to have the legs pink on the way out. Then in terms of slapping <laughs> the back of, the of it the same day on the, on the way out, you know. And, and another interesting one, I was manager myself of, of, of De La Salle in 2012 and we were playing Dungarvan in the county final and the two teams had met, De La Salle and Dungarvan had met in the minor semi-final on the Monday night and I met actually one of the Dungarvan players on the Monday night and I, I won't say, he, he was a little bit, he was silly enough to kind of say to me, sure, Jesus, you're very old, he would have been playing with Dungarvan in, in the senior county final the following Sunday and he was talking to me and he was kind of, I was saying, how best to look, sure, it'll be a good match Sunday, blah, blah, blah and he said, Asher, look, Milan is finished. He's over the hill, you know, he's over the hill. So on the day of the match, and we're on our way to the match, um, on our way to the match, and I said, to, I, I had said to, I had said to John, he's, I named the player, and I said, he said, you're over the hill and you're finished, and we kind of said it in the in, in the dressing room and all that kind of stuff, you know. So John, he's he, he, again, it's a recognition of one of the, one of the types of players that you know needs to be on the edge to get the absolute maximum out of him, you know, so yeah. it's just a little kind of a, a little spark, you just throw a little spark on, on the fire if you like, and, and then he, he takes off after that, and then you just hope that he doesn't go over the top then at the same time, you know what I mean, so you know, and, and sometimes teams operate in that, it's the sustainability of that kind of stuff at the top level, Woolly I'd question, you know, yeah. the whole time, coming with a different thing every day, did you hear what they said about us, did you hear what was written in the paper it, to me you got to there are two out of ten situations, in my opinion, in the modern game, where you where you actually go with that 
approach because if you're coming every week in the league between league and championship with did you hear what was said about us in RTE last week or did you hear what was said I think I think you're, you're going to be clutching at straws Yeah no definitely I mean, there was a Portlaoise manager that uh, springs to my mind straight away is that he like Portlaoise dominate Leash mm. so like I mean he'd be mm-hmm. coming back and he'd be work, he'd work in the prison and he'd say so we're talking to a lad working in prison these lads don't think you're any good and I'm thinking to myself yeah. ah, sure they'd never say that like I mean sure they, yeah, yeah. they know we're good so he used this in one of the early league games or early championship games and then before the county final he has this gathered around in a circle where playing Grey Cullen now raging hot favourites lads talking to a lad in the prison these lads don't Same think story. you're any good lads he <laughs> <laughs> used it up the first round of the championship yeah, well number one the first time he used it I didn't believe it then he pulled it out before a county final I was just throwing my eyes up yeah. to heaven going give me a bit of credit but I just, just thought of that as Derek was saying it but you were Mark Milan that day I didn't know I that and you, the, yeah I felt the brunt of it Woolly yeah and was he completely on fire that, he like, was on fire they showed him out in the wing and maybe to, to, to exploit my lack of pace or whatever it was but uh, I felt the brunt of it definitely the same and day, would yeah. he be doing any talking like he'd think we're finished or just he'd stay quiet I think his gripe was more with Fitzy than it was with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was gas. So that was during the game he did the slide. Now, was that the final whistle? No, that exactly. He did the slide? Himself and Owen Kelly went down along the line. And yeah. uh, I think they, they both came out, in, well, Milan has come out anyway in previous or in, in years after and said he, he regrets doing it, like, you know, so. Look at it, it! Look at it! Got him up for the game, and they ended up winning it. So ah, it was fantastic. It was pantomime. You can't beat that kind of stuff. We'll we'll move off that fun topic and talk about uh, cynical play here, lads. Because mm. I don't want to mention black cards because everyone will lose their minds if we mention that. But the referee's uh, chief, Willie Barrett, was talking in the Examiner, and he was said he was in favour of cynical play being punished with a twenty meter free. So I was wondering about this bugs in that. Like most of this cynical play happens in the attacking half of the field and you're giving away a free by doing that anyway. So I'm wondering, is the 20 metre free with three on the line, is that scorable enough to be a punishment enough to say, like when the Kilkenny lads were fouling the Cork lads at the end or the Galway, la- the Galway lads on the Kilkenny lads in the other game, mm-hmm. they were the two big examples. They were happy to give the free away. Do you Definitely, know what I mean? Yeah. Like, would a penalty yeah. be too severe, or, or is a twenty meter free with two on the line or three I, on the line? Is that uh, is that very well scorable or no? I think definitely. Is that what he came out with and said, said that, that three yeah. on the line? Three on the yeah, line. Yeah, I, I was actually nord of the line. I was on the way up and I was thinking about that uh, that situation and what would you do? Like, and 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 that's what I was thinking. Okay, if he's obviously if if the attacker's inside, like inside the box and he's he's pulled down, it, it's a penalty, right? But if he's just outside it or in in the kind of the the, the, the area or whatever you want to call it, you know, if he's pulled down. Um, I think definitely that would be a good solution right. three on the line and with a player like Patrick Horgan he's probably going to score it anyway so it's going back to the old school penalty it would be you enough know. of a deterrent that's I think the old it would penalty, be enough right. of a deterrent the, the, the thing would be is where, where is it, where is the D actually you know and that, that's, that's the issue that refs would have to probably get over but definitely at the moment you know you could see it when a team builds up a lead and it's usually near the end of the game you see it all over the place but going back to your, your very first point I know you didn't want to mention it there Willie but burning in the black cards there's no need for the black cards yeah. in Ireland whatsoever like Cynical fouling in hurling is not as, I suppose it's it's not like cynical fouling in football. It's it's it is in football a lot more, and the reason it's not in hurling is because hurling is just a faster game, right? Um, but definitely that the punishment uh, for taking down a guy like that, you know, 
to give a one-on-one penalty, I think that'd be too harsh because who's to say if he's outside in the deed that he's going to go through and score a goal anyway? You know what I mean? It takes a, a good man to get in and score a goal from that situation. But definitely, a 21-yard free or the old school penalty, you know, with three on the line, I think that would be enough for yeah. punishment. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. Something I, more looking at, definitely. It is the old penalty, actually. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I, was, I was wondering, is it enough? And that, that would be enough of a deterrent then, Derek, wouldn't it? It would. It would. It, it, the problem is, is, and I hate to play devil's advocate, it, it's distinguishing between what you consider to be cynicism and what about the guy who, or the guys who group tackle, who, who you know, they're, 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 four, they're four points up and they're hunting in packs and they, they, they you know, they take a fella down outside the D. Not, and I'm, the language I've used is wrong, but they actually, they go with all sincerity and genuineness to take a fella down. Yeah. You know, to take a fella down, mm-hmm. to tackle a guy. And they, they feel that they're trying to get him blown for overcarrying. It's going to be very hard to distinguish between. I thought of that the too, Derek. And I, like I, I thought of that too, and I was just thinking, if it was one on one, though, would that not be easier to distinguish? If it was a one on one tackle, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, so I group tackle wouldn't and, come into it. And I think yeah, again, you have to allow like like allowing a goalkeeper the freedom to kind of see it as he is it as it is in front of him in terms of puck out situations. The referee to be able to decide, hang on, this is completely cynical what's after happening here. Like, you know, some of the tackles at the end of the Kenny Cork game were just based on, listen, we're five, six points up here. Let's give away this free outside the the, 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 the D, if you like. Even if you can see the goal, it's after delaying the time, we're into injury time, we can get rid of it. And again, I hate to be using football parallels, but if you look at the situation a number of years ago where, where um, the impact sub for Dublin, what's his name, Got gets the briefs past Man, Declan O'Sullivan yeah. and scores the goal. The guy that Kevin McManaman, yeah. Kevin McManaman couldn't think of it for a say, you know. And then there's a talk about, you know, the Kerry guys are saying, Jesus, why didn't they, why didn't he drag him down? Why didn't he, why didn't he do this? You know, and and I think that's the situation we need to be careful of in hurling. But I think the solution is what you've just already suggested: a, a penalty, an old-fashioned penalty with three on the goal for me, um, is is. But it's again, it has to be clear in the referee's mind that there was an element of cynicism in this because. You know, again, a hypothetical situation. A team is up 117 to 115. Two or three guys chase the fella back genuinely. Um, he's, he's, you know, he's tackled. He goes to the ground. And next minute, it's a penalty and it's a goal. And it's a winner for the other team as opposed to a point whereby you felt there was a genuineness in the tackle. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. But as you have to be prepared for this mistakes to be made in this because the, the black-hearted football gets really bad press. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the There's black no card. It's it. the That's referee's the interpretation yeah. of what's cynical and what's not. They don't understand. No. So they don't know if this new rule or if the black card was only used in situations like the two Kilkenny fouls, like Sean Cavanagh, like the really, really obvious ones. Yeah. And we all know yeah. the ones that are obvious. They're like in soccer professional fouls to mm. avoid a goal. If the black card was only held off for those, there would be no controversy about it at all. The problem is the, the black card... Um, the black card uh, infringements are trips are body checks and there's so many bloody things yeah. that the referee's cu- flashing too many of them do you know what I mean and it's gone away from the real obvious ones to nearly becoming that's half thing, yellow yeah. cards that's the problem so uh, hurling mm. needs to define it better football is too broad and it's too general hurling needs to define it clear cynical uh, goal scoring opportunity fouls you know yeah. just to make and it one very obvious one, you know, yeah. one on one obvious and then you'll have no problem with it because yeah, exactly, everyone will know yeah. what it is and it'll simplify it down for referees yeah. it's just about getting the consistency with it Willie in football you don't know what is a black card and what is a yellow card because refs you know 
their interpretation is different unfortunately that's it because it was drag downs trips deliberate body checks mm. there's a whole other thing so you can actually foul a fella cynically but once you don't drag him to the ground Derek it's not a black car but if you pull him down to the ground it, see, you see the mess that the black car yeah. the, the actual theory behind the black car is a good one it's just it, it's messy the whole the whole different um, fouls that are, are involved in it and then the referee's problem with interpret, interpreting it so if Hurling's bringing this in they have to have it very very well defined yeah, and I think what you can't discount either is the level of planning now that management and coaches and players are putting into it also involves the referee, Woolly. It involves, you know, uh, you know, uh, an absolute kind of uh, breakdown or template of, this, this is what Fergal Horgan is renowned for. He's renowned for blowing up for steps. He's renowned for blowing up for a throw. This is what Paul Dwyer is renowned for. This is what Alan Kelly is renowned for. That's the level of detail that management are going into. Is it coming to a scenario whereby... You know, not the rugby model where you know you meet with the referee and you meet with you meet uh, your captain meets and you know exactly what's coming in terms of what they're looking for. You know, is it that is that going too detailed? Therefore, will will, will it stagnate the game? Will there be a lack of instinct in terms of the overall flow of the game? But I think you can't discount the fact that what we have now on the field is you actually have players that have simulated stuff in in training to the point where they can influence the referee as well. And you know, I I would have been guilty of that myself. You know, in terms of when you're talking about a game plan, you're talking about the referee that's in question, you would point out to the boys, this is what he normally blows for, this is what he likes to be, you know, to, to be said to him, etc. And I think we can't discount the fact that that's where it's going and the referees have to be on the same page of the players and, and management. Otherwise, they'll be, they'll be actually led and said to a, to a point where they'll actually become naive pawns in the whole thing. Yeah, no, definitely. The last one I want to talk to you about, lads, is training camps. And I'm out of the game long enough to know I've been on a few training camps, but they're a lot more common now. And because I'm out of the game so much, I want to know what happens in the modern day training camps. Davy Fitz has Clare. He's brought uh, Wexford back to Clare for an intensive training camp uh, last weekend. So he's ramped up the preparations for the All Ireland semi final against Tipperary by bringing them um, to Clare. Derek, I'll start with you because you've been managing um, very recently. How many training camps did you go on? Give us an example of a daily schedule in a training camp and how many sessions you fit in, what kind of entertainment you have to keep the players boredom kind of at bay or how 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 do you plan these out? Yeah, well you learn along the way. In my first year we were <laughs> we were relegated and we went to Portugal for five days and it was about eight weeks before the championship and it was the, it was it was a fine trip. It was it was the best of the trips in terms. Of we had two or three sessions a day. I went to the specifics of the session later on in the thing. But uh, by the end of the week, the guys who were injured, uh, we were saying we'd have a night out on Saturday night in Villamore, and a couple of the guys had come to me on the Thursday night or Friday night and said, you know, I, I think Albufeira now would be better than in Villamore. You know, and it kind of twigged with me that they'd be bloody in there already. They'd been in Albufeira. Do you want to train and have a look? And I said, I know what I heard Albufeira is great. You know, and I, I said, hang on now. Is that the register me with me here? That there, so we had a bit of a night out in the Villamore. So, and I remember when I think of the naivety of of a woolly, we were. We were staying in a fantastic complex and all, but I remember there was Coke and there was Fanta and there was everything. When the boys were in for our meals, there was, you know, it was real kind of, you know, I, I probably was only finding my way in terms of the overall approach. We thought we were training hard enough. The second year, we won the National League. We went to Johnstown House. And again, it became more specific. Then nutrition became, uh, you know, we, we Stephen Barrett and, and, and looked after our nutrition and Fergal O'Brien, our strength and conditioning coaches, spot on in terms of the preparation. And again, we mixed it up with, 
social. We had a magician during the night. We might have a... Um, when we arrived at first, we would normally have a skill session, not not a huge amount of running involved. And the, the, the next morning, we would fit two sessions in the next day. Then we would... Um, we would have kind of a tough enough session in, in, the, in the morning in terms of uh, tackling drills, etc. And then we'd finish with a kind of a speed session that evening. And um, that night then we'd have recovery, the usual recovery process in terms of the ice bats. And uh, when we were in when Johnston House and Fort Island the year after, there was a hydrotherapy suite there available for them. We had a magician one night, we had a comedian another night. I'm very lucky in, in, Car- in Johnston House the year we, we won the league, we had Joe Schmidt on the Sunday morning. You know, after the, so he finished off the whole week for us after four days. So generally, the, the day would involve, we would finish with a game on the, on the on the Saturday morning, kind of a fifteen aside game on the Saturday morning for forty minutes. So um, our camps went from uh, five days in Portugal the first year. We went for four days in Johnston House the second year, and then we actually went for six days in Fort Island, two thousand seventeen and two thousand and eighteen. And um, again, some of them were completely rest days. The Friday, often if we'd worked hard for the Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, the Friday would be completely rest. We'd leave the boys, have to run a cork and they'd go in around cork. Not on the beer now, just go in around, you know, and yeah. have, have their own grub and stay out of their own faces or their faces for for the day in question. On Saturday, we'd come back and we'd have a bit of a game and we'd finish up with a bit of barbecue on Saturday evening in Fota there where the golfing resort is. So... Uh, thoroughly enjoyable I have to say from, from both the social element of it and the amount of work that you get done Yeah Jesus sounds great I'm sure the team c- comes out of that five days just incredibly close and you know having moved on and off like books what's your memories of them? Yeah I, I was uh, I was on one in Portugal um, again we went in in 2014 uh, that was the only one I was actually abroad and just like what Derek said there you were training three times a day and I suppose you got a, an off you got probably maybe three weeks work you know brought into four or five days I can't remember how many days we were over there I think it was Is about five days Is that a shock days. to the system training three times yeah, a day Yeah well, it was like, tough I mean, enough now every look there was probably only one real intense session out of those three per day you know but um, you know the other two would be based on you know tactic, tactical awareness yeah. or whatever and usually it was preparing for the the opposition you'd be playing in the first round of the championship you know you wouldn't be looking at any, any further really like you know so yeah a lot of work was done but the, the big thing from it was just that the crack you'd have with the boys like you know and getting to know the lads it's it, sometimes it can be hard to get to know lads throughout the year if you don't go away on these these sort of a trips so that was the big thing I got from it like I became a lot closer I suppose with my teammates and that was really, so, really important but so you just could on, find yourself hanging out in someone's room that you know you hadn't of course done, yeah you just have so much up time. To, to, to mischief the whole time and lads playing pranks on each other and that's all part of it but you know <clears throat> I suppose that the, the, the time away was something that I, I probably had an issue with as well. I thought maybe it was too too long away from, you know, family work and, and whatnot as well. So we also went to Johnstown House, I can remember, one year. And um, and I that was in 2013. Fitzy brought us before All Ireland. And I absolutely loved that. We were just there on a... I think we took Friday off work, so it was Friday and Saturday. And you were just asking the question, yeah, how do you spend your downtime? Fitzy had a, a games room up there. So he had a pool table, he had a PlayStation, he had whatever. Like So lads were just going up there, chilling out. There was no one on the beer. Obviously, we were playing the All Ireland final. So that was there or he got that in? He It was there, but he brought up all the stuff. Yeah. All right. So he brought up... You know, yeah. it's just something to... Lads, lads had a bit of crack, you know, there was table tennis and whatnot. Like, and it was, it was thoroughly enjoyable. And, and, and those couple of days in lead up to All Ireland, I absolutely loved. Right, that's almost important, Derek. I presume as the tactical work that you get through there, you get through a whole load of work. I'm sure during the summer with the good weather and training twice a day. But that bond, and it's not through drink or anything. It's just enjoying each other's company and being around each other a lot. Yeah, and I think what you can't overestimate there is the importance of of the backroom team guys in terms of what they bring to it. You know, in terms of I'm talking about your mayor, come on, your mayor, guys that are. 
they, they feel completely included in the whole thing and they're guys that are hugely important to the overall setup and they're guys that will do anything for you, not just used as runners, but they, you know, and you'd be surprised the amount of, not the ideas that you would get from it, you know, it, it, it's just the way it's grown, Willie. It's not the danger. Like, I remember in, in, in 15, because of the fact that we won the league, I felt then I, w- I, w- I would have been able to say to the board, or, how many fellas want single rooms? So I actually went to the, to the point where, you know, 16 or 17 of them requested single rooms, you know, and, and they were able to get a full night's sleep. I remember buying earplugs just in case there was a wedding in Johnston House before the All-Ireland Final. We stayed there Saturday night before the All-Ireland Final. Just, just, you know, having everything kind of covered. But the social element of it is brilliant in that... The group that we had involved with water, I would have felt the general perception down here would have been, oh, sleep them sleep in their own beds, even travel up the Sunday morning. The OAS final, they got hammered because they went up the night before and they weren't able to concentrate, they weren't able to sleep. The group we had, I would have felt they were better when they were together on the Saturday. They liked the crack, they liked being together, they liked mixing in, and they were, they, they were able to just focus in at the last minute. But the social element from old-fashioned car games, to, 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 as Brendan said, the PlayStation, you know, table tennis, pool hugely important and plus a bit of looseness around the camp that you know that doesn't allow them to drink but allows them to kind of go in for a coffee into Dublin you know get the bus into Dublin they go for for when we were in Johnstown or over to Liffey Valley they went some of them or you know into, into Cork City just leave them go for a while and, and, and you know the, the freshness when they come back is, 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 is very very evident then Yeah no and we'll come here just on that similar topic would you have mobile phone bands on weekends like that or would you have mobile phone bands in the dressing room? No I, n- I never did I, I, I never did. Now, I, I see, I, I know all the history of it in terms of McGuinness took the mobile phones off guys on the way to a bus. And I know over the last number of weeks, there's, I, I can't remember the, the article I read about, you know, something came up on a mobile phone or whatever. No, not really. I'd expect, I'd ex- like, like anything, you, you watch a motivational video on the way to the games, but other guys are on Spotify, they're on, a, they have a, they're tuned into something or they're, some fellas react off the emotion of, of, of a text message from a loved one as well, Woody. I think, no, I think, yeah. So, so, where some people end up nearly crying when they get a text message from their parents or from their, and they're not able to perform. Other guys, I think you have to allow the guy to, to tune into what, what, what kind of floats his boat, if you like, you know, or what, what works for him. So I, I, I wouldn't be as, as stringent as that. Albeit, you know, I wouldn't hope, I'd, I'd hope that a guy would have the cleverness not to have, you know, something negative said about him unless he was using it as a kind of a motivating force. But no, no, I, in this day and age, I, I, I think if you go in with that rigid, coercive approach around the mobile phones I'm not so sure would it work but that's not to say that you, every now and again you can't you can't you know kind of say to the right lads we're completely tuned into whatever needs to be done now it's not, it's not a party either you know Yeah I'm just thinking from a bonding point of view uh, Bugs because I travelled around South America back in 2004 um, on my own and was in around hostels there was no mobile, I had no mobile phone, there was no mobile phones. You had no choice but to talk to people. That's what you had to do. Mm. Or else you were just on your own. And the other time I was happy on my own, the other time I would have to just go sit in beside people even though I didn't mm. like doing it. Or someone would come over and sit beside me. They'd put up with you for an hour or two. But it's funny, last year I went back with my missus and there was Wi-Fi in all the buses, there was Wi-Fi in all the hostels. And you find yourself in a hostel and there's people sitting around and they're all on their phones. So they're not mingling yeah. and they're not. And I was just thinking on a training weekend like that, maybe uh, that it was in the context yeah. of that, Derek, rather than being a dictator, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. being a dictator. Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. a fair point. And, and, you know, I was in bed last night with the missus and the two of us were on the move. <laughs> <laughs> that's a common, that's a common sight in Ireland anyways. Yeah, in any you know, I didn't, I didn't you know, look you're at You're reading the paper, you're reading an article and she's reading an article. You know, so it's, I, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a common societal problem as much as anything else, but it's, it's a point well made. 
it's a point well made and, and something that I, I just wouldn't have foreseen or, or, or thought about if you like but it's a you know activity based kind of stuff probably allowed us to get our get our bond in time in terms of water sports or you know yeah. climbing activities but there's only so much of those you can do I suppose but uh, yeah it's a, it's a well made point what do you think, Bugs? I give you yeah, a glass. Definitely, word. yeah. Like I, again, I didn't look at it from the the whole social aspect of it on a bus or anything like that. Because usually, lads on a bus, you know, they're heading to a match, they will be fairly focused anyway, and the level of chat will be, you know, be minute enough. Like so, but uh, yeah, look, I've been involved in camps where mobile phone would have been taken before you go on the bus, you know. But it was it, it was very very loose, you know. <laughs> there was guys and they were sneaking it on, like because of the, I suppose, like Derek was saying there, the whole music factor of you know the Spotify music thing, and, yeah. You know, lads nowadays they like to they, they, they have their playlist, they have their, they have their motivational playlist. And, and that's important too you know it's whatever whatever lads feel most comfortable with and sometimes going to match lads just don't want to talk to anybody they just want to get in the zone themselves and that's totally understandable too yeah the fashion now is to wear the Dr. Dre uh, yeah. you all see them stepping off the buses yeah. now they all have to have the Dr. Dre even if they're not into music it just looks good the Paul Pogba look, even club it? players are doing it now, <laughs> <you know? laughs> are they? oh god right listen on that depressing point we'll, uh, we'll leave it there lads. thanks very much no games to preview this week but sure, listen listen the chat just as good I, actually exactly. I said it to Cheddar and Michael Carr before I actually prefer the show when there's no games to talk about <laughs> you can get through way more talking points come here thanks very much lads listen we'll be back next Thursday oh yeah we're in Wexford Town next Thursday night but we'll be doing a studio show to cover the other semi-final we'll be covering Tipperary and Wexford we'll do a studio podcast to cover Limerick and uh, Kilkenny so we'll talk to you next week we'll have two shows for both semi-finals talk to you then good luck The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power, home of the GA Hour Hurling Acca. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Warford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. I let it go, cause I won't see you later on